and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week, we're going to talk about an epic, and we're going to try and do it in less than three hours, because I have to edit this thing. Uh, before we get started, how was your week? My week was fine. <laughs> week was fine. How was your week? It was good. Uh, we have recorded, we're recording some stuff back to back, so... We've already said what our week was like, and our week was hot. So, not hot like this movie, though. Yes, this... Maybe it was not a great idea to watch it on such a sun-drenched day. I I imagine that this is a great film for a a cold winter. Winter, yeah. Well, yeah. So, let's... Yeah, we'll, we'll get right into it, because... Even trying not to take too long, this movie is three hours and 47 minutes long. Mm -hmm. I thought it was two hours and 47 minutes long before we started it, and I was like, oh, sweet Jesus, we have to watch this in pieces, because I I can't, that's wild. I cannot watch a movie for that long. Um, Although, I wouldn't hate to see this movie in a theater, but like... In the middle of it, during the intermission, I'm going to need to get up and go have a meal and then come back. Right. I think that Ten this would be do it. a great film to watch in an IMAX theater with yeah. the reclining chairs. There you go. Because you're going to want to be as comfortable as possible. Yeah. I can't imagine, and we had the same uh, issue, I guess, when we're looking at Ben-Hur. This would be an amazing film yeah. to see on a big screen, yeah. but sitting in these tiny rickety chairs yeah. that the original audience, well, not all of them, but that they by and large had to sit in, yeah. uh, bolt upright, watching this movie, that must yeah. have been exhausting. Yeah. And like I said, there is an intermission in there, but it's like five minutes. It's not enough. Right. I can't even get to the bathroom and back. Like, no. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. How Especially not that both of my legs are asleep, because I'm... No, no, right. No. Yeah, no, it's, I, I, I it's bonkers. So, this movie, directed by David Lean, King of the Epics. Right. Did he ever direct anything that wasn't an epic? He did earlier on, and then he did epics out of very small stories, uh, like Ryan's Daughter. But by and large, this is the phase in his career where he was just directing a huge film, after, followed by another huge film. So is he spending money like James Cameron spends money? Or is he doing these films on a reasonable this budget. I don't know how you make a, a four-hour movie right. on a re- reasonable budget. And especially not in the conditions that he was shooting in. And he actually the went caliber to the desert. people right. that he's shooting with. Um, he went to the desert. He shot there. Uh, I was listening to some interviews with Omar Sharif and Peter O'Toole. Yeah. Um, and they talked about being confined essentially in a tent in the desert, shooting there for well over a year. And so... They had these really funny stories because they shared a tent, which is probably why they they come across and their interplay they, is really good in the yeah, film. Yeah, they do, they are, uh, and they remain friends for the rest of their lives. Uh, they they were bonded <laughs> in fire, <laughs> <laughs> literally. But um, but yeah, the conditions that he was shooting under, what he wanted to achieve on film, it was going to cost a lot of money. This is 1962. It cost 15 million dollars. Okay, yeah, that's a huge amount of that's money. a huge amount of money. Um, but the result was this really amazingly beautiful film. And also, as you pointed out, and what we'll get into is it's also probably one of the more interesting epics in that at the end of the film, you don't really have a clear idea of who this man is or why he did what he did. Yeah, it the whole movie I'm like 
oh, he loves these people. Oh, he resents these people. Oh, he's racist and he hates these people. Oh, like, and then back around, back around, back around. He loves the land. He hates the people. He loves the people. He hates the land. Like, it's, it's, and you, there's no conclusion to that. No. Um, He's as much of an enigma as when he started the film. I did a quick uh, computer calculation Mm -hmm. and, oh no. Sorry, I put in $15 million, right? Yeah. It's the equivalent of $147 million today. So that's that's a goodly chunk of money. Oh, yes. We're going to do very broad strokes of plot and Mm -hmm. kind of focus more on the characters. We start with the death of our main character. Right, in 1935. He gets on a motorcycle, Uh and then he goes way too fast with no helmet on, and he... Gets in the crash and he dies. He tries to avoid some kids uh, some on bicycles in the road. And he, as he swerves to avoid them, he literally gets thrown over his handlebars. And as he said, he's yeah, not wearing a not helmet. Not wearing a helmet. This is a man who also, at this point, definitely was trying to die. Like, mm-hmm. he was going so fast. He was just so reckless and careless. It right. was like, if I die, I die. Like, it's very much and that attitude. That is, you'll see throughout the story. Yeah. He has this... And again, that's kind of what makes this film so yeah. remarkable is the fact that we just don't... This man... Who existed, we should say. Who, yes, he's a real person. T. Lawrence is a real right. person. Right, and the accomplishments that he did in this film, were he actually did them. And it's based on his, his book, The Seven Pillars of Wisdom. Um, Which sounds like a religious text. Well, it's it? based on a scripture. Fair enough. Um, but it's about his, his campaign to help Prince Faisal. Yeah. Uh, to rid himself of the occupying Turkish army. Right. So the he, very end of the Ottoman Empire. This is... The First World War. The First World War. Right. That's right. He dies in 35, pre-Second World War. Right. Um, and he... How old was he at that point? I mean, he wasn't very old. So he was 46 when he passed away. He was born in 1888. He died in 1935. We see him die... And his service is held at St. Paul's Cathedral, so you know right away that he is of importance. Mm-hmm. And the people in attendance have varying views of him from, fuck that dude, right. to, he was a hero, don't speak ill of him. Right. And like, that is the sort of, the broad swath of uh, the opinions of him. And then we, it's kind of like a flashback, we just go back. To the and then he's a kid, basically a kid during the First World War. He's not a kid, but he's he's like twenty five. Yeah, uh, and he's played, of course, by Peter O'Toole, mm-hmm. who is hot. <laughs> like he was an odd choice for this part because um, they wanted to cast somebody. For one thing, he's Peter O'Toole is six foot two. He's very tall and thin, right. narrow guy. And Lawrence, the actual Lawrence, was not nearly. That doesn't surprise me, given a lot, given a lot of his attitudes, right. given his need to push himself to his limit and then slightly beyond in all things. Right. That feels to me like a short man's. Well, yeah, and he wasn't particularly short, but he wasn't nearly as tall as. Um, but the actors who were considered for it, at one point Marlon Brando was, which wouldn't have worked, I don't think. No, I don't think Cause so. Because Marlon Brando, especially a young Marlon Brando, had, uh, was very, uh, we were watching Paul Newman the other day and came across the same idea, which is he looks very much like a Greek statue. He has that profile that 
who was perfect for Julius Caesar. This is not that guy. Also, and this might be unfair Mm. because it may not be true, but especially young Brando doesn't strike me as particularly smart. Not that he wasn't, but Uh the characters that he played typically were maybe street smart, Mm -hmm. but not strategy smart. And so I don't know if that would have been able to come across because this kid, this dude, is sort of a tactical genius, right? Ex- with the ex- with the caveat that what he plans is a fantastic idea and also could get all of them killed. Right, exactly. He's willing to take risks because, as you mentioned, he is possibly. And again, this is what I'm. I, the more I thought about this film from when we saw it. Mm-hmm the more intrigued I am by the performance, the yeah. performance. Um, and as I was saying, some of the other people, Marlon Brando was considered, Montgomery Clift was considered, Alec Guinness, because he had already played Lawrence on stage. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then... Um, so there's a play of, from the Seven well, there's, there's a play of a, where Lawrence appears as a character. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, um, and I think the Alec only Guinness choice... Alec Guinness was too old at this point. Right. The only choice that could have quite that might have been interest, intriguing is an Anthony Perkins, who will see later on Psycho for sure. Who does that would have been kind interesting. Of wounded, protected, guarded. Yeah, he he could have done. I think that that would have been interesting. Yeah, and the other thing that you have to have for this role, right. I think, because it's how it's written, which is also um, sort of antithetical to the idea that this is based on a man's autobiography. Mm-hmm. This person is inscrutable. Right. Is he straight? Is he gay? Does he love his place? Does he... All we know about him is that he detests violence and is also a genius strategist in a war. But we also know that he, as he later admits, gets some sort of thrill out of committing acts of violence, and that's why he's detest it. Yeah. He's frightened of what he's capable of. Yeah. Also. Yeah, that's true. But also, yeah, and he goes, I mean, we see him go mm. mad in right. this at one point. And, and Peter O'Toole's performance, it's written all over his face when he's losing his yes. marbles. It's there. there there's there, no human being with any right. kind of empathy. Like, a psychopath might look at him and not understand what's happening, but right. anybody with a functioning understanding or, or basic EQ level mm. would see that face and go, oh, he needs help. Right. Like, he is unwell. <laughs> and he's also desperate for help. Like, there's a pleading in his face. It's not like an unwell that thinks he's well. Mm. He knows he's unwell and he can't. Like, right. And he's forced back into these situations where he's only going to get worse. Sometimes, yeah. too. So, we go to the First World War and he is. He's a brat. <laughs> like he's a he's he's insubordinate for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I made an uh, a reference or a comparison about halfway through the movie, as he is back with the British because mm-hmm. he's a British officer. Um, just sort of walking around like he's not in the military, right? Just right. snubbing people like his his superiors and things like that, and um. I compared him to we had, we've just seen Amadeus right. to Mozart when he Mozart comes in and tells the king, 
I'm a foolish man, but my work isn't foolish. My right. music isn't foolish. And he's very much like that. He's very much like, I don't really take any of this pomp and circumstance seriously, mm. but I'm fucking good at what I do. Right. And so <laughs> the, he he was the actual Lawrence and the, the way the characters played to him. Again, it's based on his biography. And as you're saying, oddly, we still don't know anything. We know as much about him at the end of this almost four-hour journey that we take with his character that we knew at the beginning, but yeah. that's perfectly consistent. That's not poor writing. It's actually no. great writing. And it's also, but it is, right. like you said, like I said, sort of antithetical to a movie that is pulled from an autobiographical right, exactly. work. Like, I kind of want to read the book and see how enigmatic the entire thing must be. Oh, yeah. And I, I haven't finished like, it. Is it I've just studied. straight up? It opens is with... Is it just an like an objective here's what has happened right. but without putting himself in it? He or? is very much a part of it, but his motives are always strange. He's telling what he did, not necessarily not why. what he thought. The closest you get to it is the opening paragraphs, which are a love poem to the Arab people or perhaps to one particular young Arab young right. man. There is a very strong... Um, there's a sense in this. There are... No women in this movie. Well, and here's the... I'm, I didn't realize during the during right. the watch, but I'm thinking back, and I don't recall seeing. There's certainly no women that speak. I don't think there's a no. female speaking role in this film. There's a, one of the odd things I saw was a later interview, and it was a little bit of a it was a pity to watch it because it was done much later on with Omar Sharif, uh-huh. and he's talking about shooting this film. Omar Sharif eventually uh, succumbed to. Um, Alzheimer's? Uh, uh, yes. Or dementia. So dementia. he gave interviews, and near the end he would repeat the same stories over again, and then he would sometimes mix up the names of the films, yeah. and that's when they took him out of public life. But he, uh, in his early days, um, as he and Peter O'Toole were also notorious womanizers, um, and they both... And they're just stuck in the desert with each said, other and, and no women. <laughs> or actually, several times when he's like, what did you remember about Lawrence of Arabia? Uh, I was stuck in a tent with Peter O'Toole and there were no women everywhere. <laughs> anywhere. And we kept looking like there was a script girl. We're always trying to like, hey, or whatever. And, and she was like, I and hate the director kept everyone. Yeah. Like, she got her own right. space away from the men because, yeah, you're monsters and we're yeah. not doing that. Joyous womanizers, both of them, also, especially particularly O'Toole, was a very heavy drinker. I yeah. mean, he was a very typically Irish character actor, you know, and he thought he was going to be a character actor for the rest of his life or on the stage, and then this opportunity came along and he tried it and was so close to the ideal of what they wanted yeah. that he just, I mean, for good reason, and yeah. this made him into a star. But, yeah. That's, yeah, and he's fantastic. Well, he Did he, wait? I'm going to look. Sharif, just <laughs> comment, he's like, what do you remember about the film? There was no women, there, there was, was no, no alcohol, women. there was nothing. It was nothing. so hot. <laughs> right, we're just sort of sitting in our tent, talking all night, and reading books. <laughs> oh, that's some bullshit. Yeah. i got to figure out who he lost to. I'm just looking right. at the, the award situation, and we'll talk about it later. So, Lawrence, the titular, goes to Arabia, the titular, <laughs> and he has a guide, and he's going to go meet Prince Faisal. That mm -hmm. is his... That's how he goes in the desert in the first place. And that's his orders. Yeah, right. go out, meet up with Prince Faisal, and then sort of steer him 
in direct in directions. Mm-hmm. So fundamentally, what the British want is control of the Suez, right? Right, and they're they're splitting that among themselves and the French, and the, who also yeah. have a prior colonial claim. Right, and so and the Turkish are who the Arabs are fighting, and I'm going right. to just use the term Arabs because at this point there I don't think the political lines have been drawn. Well, there's that a are very interesting point in here. the film where one of the characters says to him, who are Arabs? Yeah. And this is Anthony Quinn's character. It's an, it's an external yeah. name it's a term on of, them. These are just tr- um, a bunch of tribal people, desert tribal it's like people. using terms like Indians right. or Native Americans. Right. It's like they, they're just... That's, a, what is that? A whole group of different... Yeah. Or a Even whole mass of different... Even just indigenous people. people. Right. Like, I'm Sue or I'm... Right, you know, I'm Apache. Uh, whatever it by is, way. you are. <laughs> by the way, um, so he goes out. He, he is met by uh, Omar Sharif's character, mm-hmm. uh, who is our uh, Ali Sharif or Sharif Ali. It's uh-huh. Sharif as a title, uh, played by Omar, Omar Sharif. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I wondered, and I haven't looked it up, if Sharif is where the word sheriff comes mm-hmm. from. Because they serve a very similar Purpose. role, mm-hmm. and Sharif kills uh, Lawrence's guide, and Lawrence is like, and, and figures that Lawrence is going to just die in the desert now, and he bounces, right. but he doesn't die in the desert because he's resourceful. We don't know how. He gets to Faisal. Uh, there's another British officer there that that's like his, um, like his Br- British consort almost. Mm. Um, co- yeah, and uh, Lawrence. Sits and listens and is told, shut up, um, but can't because that's not in in him. No, uh, it's so not. he 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 basically so he pushes the idea of attacking Aqaba, which is a city on the coast. Uh, and the only way to get to Aqaba um, sanely is via the water because mm-hmm. it is a coastal town. Or a city, but there are massive guns like the guns of Navarone, right? Exactly, pointing out, and you're you're not going to get past the guns, right? So his uh, sort of idea is, let's ride across this desert that, like, literally a no man's land, mm-hmm. a desert that nobody goes across, and on the other side, we team up with the tribe that lives out there, so. Um, Faisal, I can't tell if he's the sort of prince of everything or just of this one tribe. He's the prince of, he, he appears to have, and again, I'm trying to draw on the film rather than history. Right. But they're very close, actually. Right. Uh, I would hope so. Yes. If you're going to tell the story, especially the story of an ethnic group, mm-hmm. That you're putting white men in black face to, or brown face we'll to do because right. all of these uh-huh. the the Arabs that don't speak like all the background actors uh-huh. and a couple of the ones that do speak are ethnically appropriate, mm-hmm. but all the speaking roles with I guess the exception of Omar Sharif, who mm-hmm. no no doubt had some history there. Alec Guinness, Anthony, Anthony Quinn, Quinn right. 
These are Jose men Ferrer. in brown. Jose Ferrer. Well, Jose well, Ferrer is playing a Turkish man, and he they don't put him in brown face. Mm-hmm. Um, he may not be Turkish, but they they he they don't change the color of his face. They change the color of several, and they darken Omar Sharif for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it's not subtle, like. In the light, it makes them look gray because they're still lighting for the white man. Mm-hmm. So, like, just like a black uh, character in the in movies at this point looks weird and wrong because they're not being lit for the same thing for people. So they have this gray pallor in certain mm-hmm. lights, and I'm just like, oh, this makes me sad. Um, so he he basically proposes, "Hey, let's go across the desert." meet up with the Howitats and attack Aqaba from the back because they are not expect. There's no way they would expect that. And uh, Ali, Sharif Ali, doesn't... He's not super on board. He's not convinced. And he doesn't know how this this very fair-skinned... And Lawrence and he very is. much. Yes. Was a very He's white a porcelain man. skinned man. For He's sure. going across the desert and he thinks it's like maybe luck that it happened the first time. The 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 depiction of the Arabs in this film is controversial at times and other times is actually supported by members of the community. Yeah. Because it, it on the one hand it does sort of at some of them seem infantilized, right? On the other hand, the English are also infantilized, and they're made to look like these bullies who essentially keep... And there was a, a pushback from English audiences at the time as well. And they do it, always call him English, which I think is funny. Right. Um, but they, about how the depiction of how the English were... Well, you're making it look like they're just in there to grab the land and grab the authority from... Which they were. That Hey, hey, British people. Right. You are colonizers, in that respect, and everywhere you went, that's exactly what you did. You raped and you pillaged. Anti-imperialist film. Yes, it it's is very anti-empire, and so um, both the Ottoman and right. yeah. <laughs> and the British. And and uh, it seems like one of the better motivations for Lawrence's characters. He wants Arabia for the Arabs. Yes, specifically mm. later in the film. He wants to help them take Damascus and keep it. Right. And by that point, the British have informed him that us and the French are just we're we're chopping up this land, the right. Turkish land, and or the, you know all the the, Tur- the Ottoman Empire, what was the Ottoman Empire, and all of this right. the and Arab Faisal, land. Who's played by Alec Guinness? And it, I also need to. Say, Yes, he's in brown face, but he plays the part with a great deal of dignity. I believe that everyone does right. does treat their characters with dignity Even, and respect, but right. it they is, should have been played right. by well, ethnically correct, or at least closer. So Omar Sharif is an Egyptian actor, right? He He was called in because, one, uh... The French actor who did Purple Noon, the first uh, film version of um, Mr. Ripley, Alain Dion, okay. uh, didn't want to wear contact lenses over his blue eyes. And the other actor, which I find very interesting, that they had suggested for this part was Hort Bo- Horst Buchholz, 
who is the same Sounds guy. Sounds like the whitest German that ever lived. The Mexican character oh, in okay. The Magnificent Seven. You if you guys, remember the Mexican kid, that guy, stop. he was going to be. The, it's like he was just going to be the all-purpose ethnic for whatever reasons. I don't know. Oh, and it, in, instead, they went with Omar Sharif. Um, but uh, Faisal, to, he he was in charge of uh, Mecca. And so okay. when the Turks get them running from there, yeah. that's a huge offense and to And they're this. basically on the run at this right. point, but they want he wants them to turn around and face right. the Turks and get them out of there. So they are, they are able to cross the desert. At one point, um, one of the men is left behind. Yes. And Lawrence goes back when they're very close to the end, which, mm-hmm. which involves... A well and some water, because that's the thing. Like, when they leave, they say, the camels, without the camels, we die. Uh-huh. And the camels will start dying in 23 days. So they've got 23 days to get across this desert, or uh-huh. they're going to die, because they cannot walk it. That is one of the more, like, interesting details about this film. Yeah. You learn a lot about what the hell it's like in the desert. Yeah. And, and how fast a camel can right, run. A camel, apparently, <laughs> a camel can straight up run. Camels, run, they walk single file. Yeah. Their feet walk. So they just leave these lines. And when they yeah. were shooting this film, they ha- it took quite a while because they had to go out with like a makeshift Zamboni. And clear out and the... And clear out all the camel tracks because they make very distinctive tracks. Tracks, yeah. And if we're going off into the desert where no man's been for years, it's yeah, like, no, we can't, can't show have that. camel tracks over here. But you learn a lot about the fact that you don't survive much out there. Yeah. You learn about the natural They conditions. understand how much they can do, right. and they don't push it, because you don't test. Right. You don't test. You're not going to win. And he and Lawrence is all about pushing and testing. Right. So they are half a day mm-hmm. from the end, and he's like, I'm going back. And he has to go back a ways. Right. He, he picked, and Gassim is the one... Is the is the man that has fallen, and he gets him and brings him back. And at this point, uh, Lawrence has two orphans. valets, <laughs> but yeah, they're orphans. But they are basically his acting like his valets. They they're they're they they act like his servants. He doesn't necessarily treat them that way. Um, he does sometimes, and it feels like it's because he's indulging what they want him to do right. more than he's looking at them that way. Um, but one of the kid, one of the kids is out and they're young. Um, one of the kids is out waiting for him and yeah, he sees him. And that's the thing too. You see them at just such a distance and you just see this little puff and you're, and there's nothing. So you know that the little puff is somebody move, like that's movement. There's some sort of animal or person movement. In the desert is like, there's the, the scene where you first see Sharif. Um, and he, yeah. he shoots the guy who's taking from this well because these they wells kill over are water. sacred. You don't, yeah. They are, you don't touch Their life. another tribe's well. Yeah. And so, um, he, uh, in that scene, apparently the cinematographer and director didn't know if they'd be able to catch a mirage on film. Uh. And Freddie Francis, the, the cinematographer, was sitting out here with different lenses trying to see if he captured it, and eventually he did. Uh-huh. He was able to get it. Um, and so it just, bec- it's, you're looking at these huge weights, we would call them. Yeah. Right? And just thinking, is that a person? Is that, what is that movement? Is that a cow? Yeah. 
And I'm imagining on a huge screen, it must really get across. Yeah. Like how lonely it is. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. It's amazing. So he gets back, and that that act mm-hmm. really solidifies them, like the 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 Arab party that he's with, which is only like twenty or 50, twenty or thirty men, mm-hmm. because. They could. They um, Faisal wasn't going to send his entire group right. into the desert that no one's ever crossed. Right. Because. Well, I think it's fifty men that he sends with him. Is it fifty? So then, they go. Right. They they accept him. He gets. They give him a beautiful white outfit, um, and they they meet the Hawatat, um leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lawrence meets him first. And dancing with his in his beautiful new robes, and um, and he's out there with just his kid, and he rides into their um, sort of their vicinity, and they're drinking from his well, and he is like, oh yeah, uh, this is unacceptable, and Lawrence fucking smooths it over. He's like, you wouldn't deny men who've come across this desert, right? Um, and when he hears that, he's like. Yeah. Well, first of all, I did ride by myself, except with my son who has a gun, and his son his is like fifteen. Yeah, right? like, not even that. He's like eleven. <laughs> he's in um, training to be the next of the yeah. uh, and, and, leaders. And he's like, um, and he's in there. Mm-hmm. There's there's fifty of them, and they are, they are armed. Right. And so he's like, I you will understand my generosity, and you will come dine with me. And so they there is this tentative right. sort of agreement. Lawrence puts forward, hey, let's attack. All of us can attack mm-hmm. Aqaba and win. Uh, uh, you know, with the the help of the mighty Howitat. Like that's, right. And they're going to do that. And then the night before they're planning on do it, doing it, one of the... One of Faisal's men. One of Faisal's men. I can't remember the name of the tribe. Kills... One of the Howitat. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they're about to, they're just about to right. have a war and kill everybody. And Lawrence steps up and stands in the middle and he's like, okay, it's an eye for an eye, right? Like, if if one of Faisal's men kills a Howitat, Howitat, they yeah, yes. So he stands in the middle and he's like, okay, so I have no all the Howitat right. want is the death of the man who killed one of right. theirs. And all of Feis- all that Faisal's men want is or demand is that a Howitat does not kill right. one of them. Like, no, it's not that's not gonna happen. And so he comes out and he's like, I have no allegiance. I will kill the offender. And then the Howitat get their vengeance or uh-huh. whatever it is, get get their and it's not even that. It's uh, get their justice right. for the death that they have suffered. And the Howitat haven't killed one of Faisal's men, so we can just fucking squash this shit. Right. And they agree to that. And then Lawrence goes out to shoot this man, and it is Gassim, the man that he saved from the desert. Right, at the risk of his own life. And that seems... That, and I did he not shoots that him like six times. And it's... Rough. <laughs> <laughs> it is like the look on his face when he sees who it, it is. is. That is the first point where you can see him like breaking. Right. Um. And then the two tribes do band together, and they do take Akaba. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, Lawrence goes back to the Brits, and he's like, 
check out what the fuck I did. You now, all didn't think I could do it, and I did it. Is that he winds up going alone, except for one of his, uh, no, he goes with his two servants. Yeah, I believe so. Yes. And they go off to the desert because they have to tell uh, Allenby, I think it is. Yeah. And uh, the other character, uh, who's played by, um, God, what is his name? Uh, Allenby is played by Jack Hawkins. Oh, yeah. He's seen in... Um, He's got both the beautiful in, round baby face. Well, no, no. Allenby is the, played by Jack Hawkins, who was in Ben-Hur. He was oh, okay. Quintus He was also in uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Who am I thinking of? You're thinking of Anthony Quayle. Oh, yeah. Who's really There's very, Anthony Quinn and Anthony Quayle in this, uh, and there shouldn't be two AQs in this in any movie. Anthony Quinn also, to let you know, he's one of the characters who's in... Who's in, in brown face, let's say. Even browner face. Yeah. Uh, playing the leader of the Hawatat. Um, uh, Auda Abu Taif. Yeah. He plays more of. His character is like a jolly pirate almost. Yeah. He's not jolly to the point to where you never. Do you ever feel safe with this guy? Yeah. He's always dangerous, but he plays this very much larger than life kind of character that Anthony Quinn was really good at doing. Yeah, yeah. And he. Yeah. And. None of these men uh-huh. that that Omar Shreve's character, um, Alec Guinness's character, Anthony Quinn's character, these are all the sort of leaders or uh-huh. sub-leaders of these tribes. None of them is stupid. No. None of them is played as stupid. No. None of them is played as are played as um, naive. No, like all- like. Like you see, um, you know, Native Americans mm. portrayed in in things where they're just like, oh, look at this white. Like, no, they. Oh, b- I believe both of the the two tribe leaders were schooled outside. Right. Like, they have been to cities. Like, it's not they live in their Bedouin. And Faisal also lets Lawrence know there was a time in our history when you know I forget the city. It might have been Aqaba. It's like where we had street lights and we yeah. had all these other we things. We were the most we were right. the the most advanced civilization that there was. And then you know civilizations rise and fall, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. But um, well, fortunately or unfortunately, but uh, yeah, when Lawrence goes on this other expedition, taking his two servants with him, yeah, he takes the two servants with him, and one of Daoud uh-huh. dies in quicksand. Hey guys, remember when quicksand was a thing? Quicksand, which thing. is crazy because I was like quicksand, and then they're lost in a, a, a sandstorm and all. And when he gets back to, um, they're in Cairo. Yes, he gets there to tell them what he's done, and he brings Farajan, who is like this thirteen-year-old Arab child, right. and he's like, he walks him through. He's like, he's with me. Don't and say shit to him. Right. He's coming in. We they go in. That he gets him some lemonade, which right. is a thing Farage has never had before. Because Farage is a child who's right. been raised and in he a, was an orphan, so he wasn't yeah. even on the, the social status. Yes. And he just he's like and he tells them, you know, have you ever slept in a bed with sheets? And this kid's like, I don't what? What's that? Yeah. So he gets him a bed with sheets. Like he is like, uh-huh. don't I don't want to hear any slurs, and we do hear slurs in this uh-huh. movie. Um, but you're not gonna you're not he has has done more than any of you have right. for this war. So how about but get the fuck the off? The crazy thing is that he's such a he 
Lawrence himself is at this point so highly strung, maybe is the best way to put it, because he's practically quivering when he walks into this place, and these glorious robes that they got him are just, now just rags. I was wild. It was wild, because as soon as uh, he put them on, I was like, the hubris of wearing white in the desert. Uh-huh. That's going to be brown immediately. Right. Not through any fault of anyone. There are sandstorms. There are dust devils all yeah. the time. You're in you're in the desert, and, I, I and the that, desert is in you. To you about this this morning, which was there are these wide angle shots that take in huge sweeps of the desert at one time, and you see sometimes two, maybe three dust devils in the far distance. They're constantly going on, and you think to yourself, "My God, what if that rolls up on you? What do you do? You yeah. just hunker down and pray that you don't get yeah. covered by sand." And also, like the 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 ability like I always harp on mm. old west movies and how, right. how you just go towards where you think St Louis is and then right, hopefully exactly. you end up in St Louis no the fuck you don't um, it's worse than the desert you can get turned around so easily and if you have provisions for X number of days and you get turned around you're done you're done and your bones are in the sand and nobody ever finds you like that's it um, so they're back in Cairo. Uh, they don't. The, the British don't believe that he's taken Aqaba with these two tribes, and then finally they do believe him, and they give him money and arms mm-hmm. for the Arabs to fight the Turkish, because clearly that they are stronger and better right. than they thought. Um, we. He also Lawrence also at that time says, "Are there any designs on Arabia?" Are we going to leave these people? And we've seen him already on the beach, like, saying he loves this land. Mm -hmm. But then during this conversation, he says, I had to shoot somebody. This is talking about Kasim. And he says, and I liked it. And I was just like, what's happening He's trying to also get, he wants to be dropped from this. He He doesn't want to go back He's doing a clinger in MASH. He's just like... I am unwell and should not be fighting. And they're like, but you're great. Here's a commendation. Here's a here's a promotion to major. Get your ass back out there. And he does. And then they... Because he has this plan to blow mm-hmm. up all of the Turkish trains. Railways, right. The railways. And they do it like they did in the Old West. They just put some in dynamite. Mm-hmm. They wait for a train to come. They blow that shit up. And they do it over and over again. And they're gaining all this headway. There's also a journalist at this point who's following them around, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a raid where Farage is setting the dynamite and he's got, is it the the detonator? Right. And he has dropped it, or like he's put it inside of his robes to, to transport it. And he can't find it and he can't find it when he, when he gets to the... Um, to where the dynamite actually is. And he's like, it's fine, we've got time. Lawrence is there on the tracks, the train is coming. He's like, we've got time, just go get another detonator. Um, and at that point, the detonator that was in Farage's clothes de- detonates. Right, he, it moves, because it's very it's sensitive to movement. Right, and because it has sort of fallen right. further into his robes, which right. is why he can't find it. He knows it's there, he can't find it. Uh, and he is gravely injured, but not killed. Mm-hmm. And... The 
the Arabs up to this point, and they make a point of it, don't leave anyone behind. Right. They don't leave, like, they kill everyone because they don't, like, they, they kill everybody that they're fighting, but they also kill their own mm-hmm. if they're going to be captured. Yeah, they kill everyone that they're fighting. If they capture the Turks, they, they bring them in, though. Lawrence is insisting on that. It's, at this that, point. it's the other way around. Right. Then they will like if someone, yes. well, if one of theirs is injured, they kill them. If they have to retreat, they don't leave anybody behind. They don't leave the anyone Turks. behind because they know that the person is going to be tortured and that they will unlikely they will be unlikely to mm-hmm. withstand that. So they kill them. And here, it's not necessarily that they don't want him. That that Lawrence doesn't want Farage taken, which he doesn't. But he doesn't want him to suffer like this. Right. Because he this detonator has blown up his middle. Like right. it has gone off so he's right just against suffering. his he's abdomen. In pain and yeah. he doesn't want to leave him out there in the sun to die. So right. after watching Dowd get swallowed by quicksand and being unable to mm-hmm. save him, he has to shoot Farage. It's rough. It's yeah. rough again. And they he he then like they're scouting various places and they're getting they're dwindling um and at one point and like is it it's right before this the arabs leave mm-hmm. because it's time for them to well, do right. religious well, <laughs> like they, the it's the wrong time of year to fight right. and they return to I guess Mecca, right? Yeah. Like that's what well, they're the, doing. Well, the thing is that they so they they come from their own separate areas. Mm-hmm. On top of that, but the idea is that it's winter, and he makes a point of saying, "Well, nobody fights in the winter in the desert. It's just going to get to cr- these these." Um, it's like the Russians coming across. Well, yeah, but it's <laughs> it's like the um, like the wadis that we see. They yeah. get flooded with water, and then suddenly there's rivers there. Right. And so the desert becomes unrecognizable. It becomes hard to traverse. It's right. like you're not going to drag a boat with you through the, right. the desert and then suddenly plop it down right. on the river. Just yeah, kind of, so they just take right. off, except like 10 of them, right. and Sharif Ali is one of them. Yeah. Um, and so they're scouting a city, and they just go into the city. Sharif because Ali and one other person right. and Lawrence just go Lawrence in. Lawrence is full of hubris at this point. Yeah, because he's been built up in the right in the like Lawrence of Arabia is printed across. Uh, this is part of the the, the 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 journalist character. Yeah, well, um, he, he not the I mean, I guess the fault, but like he. Wants the story, right? Because this will sell papers. He's not this wrong. This is also going to convince Americans who are reluctant about supporting the British because there's still some hard feelings, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's and, not, you know, right? And so he's doing this to increase circulation. He, we see him at the beginning of the film saying, "Yes, he was a great warrior. Yes, he was a he was a courageous man. Yes, he was a genius. He was also the biggest self promoter since P.T. Barnum. Right. Yeah. Which, right. if you know who P.T. Barnum is, that's not a that's flattering right. comparison not a flattering at comparison. all. But um, and there's a guy, character behind him. It's like I take exception to what you say, sir. Yeah. That character keeps showing up in the story at different points. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about him eventually again. Um, yeah. So he they go into the city and they are mm. instantly fucking yoinked. Right. And he is taken. Um, to Turkish Bay, right. who is played by Jose Ferrer, who looks exactly like his son, and it was. I think it's the other bonkers. Way no, because I had never seen Jose Ferrer right. in a film. 
I've seen Miguel for in tons of films. So I have he been, looks like his son. I have that, that is the reference I have. The first time I saw Miguel Ferrer, it's like he looks just like, like I was just like he even sounds like was like oh, oh there we go. gotcha. <laughs> so and then that was sad because Miguel Ferrer died way too young, frankly. Right. Um, so he tortures Lawrence and then mm-hmm. throws him out. Into the, into the mud. Mm. Um, he and Ali is not exposed as being Lawrence. Thank no. God, because then they really would have. But uh-huh. he says to Ali, "I would have told them everything. Right. I would have told them where you are. I would." And I'm like, "But would you have? Because you didn't. Uh, you didn't. <laughs> like they fucked you up, mm-hmm. and then they you know then they threw him out because I guess he." I guess maybe what he's saying is if they knew who I was, right, I would have broken. Mm-hmm. But because they just sh- thought I was they some schmuck. They assumed a German deserter or right. a Russian deserter. Right. You know, Definitely a deserter. They right. were like, you clearly aren't actively in any military. Because right. you, would, you wouldn't just fucking walk in here like that. That you, would be insane. Are you an There's like lots of things to be. Yeah. Including, you know, just an English deserter. Yeah. Um, um, so that's what they think. But right. So they definitely torture him, but... They do let him go. Um, and then he goes back to Cairo and is like, just doesn't, cannot, he's not one of them anymore. I, he knows he's not one of the Arabs, but he's definitely not one of right. these British officers anymore. He is something else now. Um, and then he also undergoes after that, because there's uh, the intimation of, and this is something that Lawrence said in his biography, being sexual abused. He doesn't go into detail about what that no. meant. Yeah. Um, but after that, after that point, he is, he's like, kill them all. So he doesn't take prisoners anymore. Now yeah. he's out there, kill all the Turks, kill every yeah. last Turk, to the point where even um, the next conflict he has, where he has all the men with him, including, yeah. you know, Anthony Quinn's character, uh, he... Sharif is like telling him, why do we have to kill them? We don't have to kill them. We can have mercy. But he won't do it. And he starts listening to the pirates. He starts walking yeah. around with a bodyguard of other like pirates. and Yeah. I mean, I, that's a weird term to use for people who don't see water often. But the idea is that they're like that. These are professional brigands, so to speak. Yeah. And so he has a bodyguard of them now. Yeah. And these are all wanted men. And the Sharif ta- is the like... The Tafas. Right. Tafas? Sorry, I'm, I would love to pronounce these things correctly. Um, so, yeah, they and then they mark, march on Damascus, mm-hmm. which, if they take it, would be huge. Right. Um, and at this point, he understands via Allenby, and um, the sort of architect of everything, who you see just fucking quiet and taking notes and giving his two cents, that's Claude Rains. <laughs> He's clearly... The brains of the operation. Right. Really similar to like even what he was in uh, Notorious. Yeah. He's just the guy who's like, he has everything Just this out. little dude <laughs> in a natty suit, just taking notes and just being like, mm-hmm, and this is what we're going to do. And then you le- he leaves and you're just like, oh, that's like Oz. Like he's the right. man behind the fucking curtain. Exactly. Um, and so Lawrence is at, at this point is told... We're we're gonna split up. Like mm-hmm. these people are not going to get their we're land. We're taking it's their the French, land. It's gonna be the English, and we're gonna it's divide disgusting. it. Disgusting. Um, and so he's like, "All right, fine. We're gonna take Damascus, and we're gonna keep it." 
Mm-hmm. And by we, he means the Arabs, because he is like, fuck you, right. all day long. And then there's a, there's a push, there's a lot of violence, he starts taking part, there's a, there's a, there's a train attack that goes very badly, mm-hmm. and he's almost killed, he's almost, he is shot in the arm, mm-hmm. uh, and then he is, he violently, like, I, he is saved, but then mm-hmm. he violently attacks people, right. and he is covered in blood, and this is when he is, his eyes are mad, oh, he yeah. is off the fucking deep end at this point. And, but they keep pushing, they keep pushing, because they won't just take him, they won't take him out. Right. Um, and he's basically probably at that point being cared for by Ali Sharif, Sharif Ali, mm-hmm. because um, he he really has turned around on him. Like, when he, I think it's right when he goes and gets the, the man from the desert, and just he understands like this he's not here for glory or even for Britain necessarily mm-hmm. because nobody like nobody who was here for that would have gone back and risked their lives for one right, man. Exactly. Um and certainly not one Arab man. Like that's right. He's clearly here for other reasons. Um and he's with us. And and meanwhile Every time Lawrence is back in Britain, he's talking shit about the Arabs, and when he's with the Arabs, he loves them unconditionally, and I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? Right, and and I think that part of that comes from, early in the film, we find out uh, when Sharif starts warming to him. Yeah. He has this conversation to him saying, well, where, like, where does this come from? This kind of, these abilities where he, was your father a great man? He's like, my father was a great man. But my father and mother weren't ever married. He was Ill- illegitimate. He's illegitimate, that's and right. And so that kind of leads you to, to look at him as a person who has spent his entire life trying to find where he fits in. Right. And, and this, looking mm, for approval. Right. From somewhere. There's a scene where... Um, Daddy issues, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> he comes across the desert. Like Moses, he tells Sharif. Moses did it. He comes across the Sinai Desert. He gets to Suez. And there's a really... Beautifully incongruous shot, yeah, of a freighter going through it's, the Suez it's Canal. It's so eerie because you just see this sand dune, sand dune, and then this ship coming right. across. And you all know my big fear: right. cars and water don't like it, boats on land don't like it. It was, <laughs> it's but weird. it's a stunning image. Right, it is like literally stunning. Yeah, you and that. if it was like if I right. had seen that on a big screen in 1962, fuck off out of here. Well, I think <laughs> the thing is that it's meant to be at that point. Am I you know, am I hallucinating? Am I not is that right. really there? Right. He comes over the sand bank and there's the Suez Canal right there or the the, the water Which is what he was looking mm-hmm. for, but he and got turned around. A man on a motorcycle just sort of zipping along on this other side of the road. Or the other side because of the Because the Suez Canal is civilization, basically. Right. Like, and when he's waving down the man, he goes, who are you? And there's this look on his face like he's dressed like an Arab at this point. And he's English, so he's not... He doesn't fit into either place, but that scene, in retrospect, becomes really important because he has no idea who he is. Yeah, no. He's trying very and hard to fit the And he doesn't have any idea of the day that he gets thrown get right. off that motorcycle either. I just, he never figures which it is out. A, well, which is really sad. It is sad. He, he is a person... I, I do think, and, and uh-huh. his sexuality is in question in the movie, Right. although it's all subtext. There's no, and nothing right. overt. 
Um, and in this book, there's yes, like tone, I said, it starts with a strange poem, but and he, that would and I mean that would add even another layer to not he, knowing yeah. where you fit in in, in nineteen sixteen or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Like to break like from the phone for a second. In his book, he describes living with the the uh, raiders who you know the, the, this confederated group of tribes who went out and did all these. Missions, and he mentioned that there were some of them that were scrupulously clean and just were very devout. There were others who found relationships with other men. Yeah, of course. And then there was like another group that for some reason seemed to, they broke. And so they would indulge in deliberately not washing themselves, deliberately. Oh, not, interesting. And then just doing things to put themselves into positions of being in physical pain as a way of dealing with the fact that they were killing other people. That and right. they may have been assaulted sexually as right. well. And so, but at no point does he draw any judgment on He's just like, this any is, of these this groups is, of people. Yeah. And so the question became often, well, was he homosexual? And it's like, well, it doesn't matter if he was or wasn't because that's not what he was writing his books about. Right. This is what his right. statement was about. The fact that he even admitted that he was sexually assaulted by a group of men. Yeah was really surprising to them. Yeah, because, yeah, right. admit, because, you don't admit to that. Right. And it was still an illegal activity. Homosexuality was Right, for point. sure, yeah. Uh, and in England, but there an equal number of people are saying, but when you read the way he describes sexuality, it's like it's he's an outsider. He may, be, he may have been, been asexual. asexual. Yeah, or just lost. Right. Just like a lot of, especially religious mm -hmm. um, women don't realize their sexuality until much later in life because mm. it's not an option. Like, they don't... They're not presented not, with they're it. They're not presented with it. As, so why would you think that's what you were? Right. So you just think... Everybody thinks that sex with men mm. is icky and you just do it because you have to. Right. And to be fair, a lot of straight women, that's true. <laughs> but, like, they don't... Like, it doesn't... It's not a thing. Mm -hmm. So... It's not a thing, like just yeah. simple like that. So if he isn't exposed to any gay men and or understand that, I mean, in the desert he probably yeah, would have well, been. He, yeah. But the likelihood is that these weren't gay men; these were straight men who were taking advantage of the only thing that they had access right. to, because that is certainly a thing. It it it, it happens in prisons as well. Yeah. Um, but it ha and it happens yeah, I, pr what, in pretty much every military where it's not a romantic thing. It's a what one sexual thing. Has said about him is that he was a very well-read man, and I, I, this is a biographer who's defending the idea that he was asexual. Uh -huh. It's like, well, no, he was a very well-read man. He understood that. It was very common in Greek and Roman armies sure. for there to be relationships. And just in the city, yes, in I mean, the culture, that was Relationships between thing. men mm -hmm. and uh, subordinate men and, and, and you know, yeah. men of higher rank. Yeah. Or actual relationships where yeah. this is just the relationship as a pursuit. Yeah. Um, and that was a factor in Roman life so that when he saw this happening with his men, that he was just indifferent to it because he's like, he's like well, yeah, that's, that's, that that's what happens. That's for a strong army because it does. It does. No, that's true. Um, and it's, yeah, the Roman army conquered most of Which the world. Which is yeah, the why the don't ask, don't tell them. It's very sense. strange. But, yeah. but so uh -huh. let's get let, let, the, the movie's almost, almost over. Mm -hmm. So it's basically Alan B's British forces and um, Lawrence's Arab forces at this point 
heading towards Damascus, and Lawrence is like, we gotta get there first, we gotta take it, and then you gotta fucking not let it go. That is his plan. They do, they get there, they take it, and then the British cut off basically all of their utilities, and there are multiple tribes involved here, and they can't you you see them in base it looks like a senate hall or something mm-hmm. like that and they're fighting back and forth over like you're in charge of the water you're in charge of electricity right. and i can't do water because you fucked up the electricity but the electricity is fucked by this other right. like and they can't and because they're being sabotaged from the outside and then there's infighting within them basically they're just like it's not fucking worth it right. like taking the city and keeping it isn't fucking worth it but also, be, uh, largely because we live very well out in the desert. Right. Like, we have become a desert people, and that's fine. Unfortunately, that means that they're then, of course, going to be basically conquered and colonized. Well, yeah. But but they, it's not worth And they just all fucking leave. They Except just leave. for Sharif. Right. Who then uses this, seeing that... At this point, the two left are Aura oh, yeah. Abuotai, who's Anthony Quinn. Anthony Quinn's character and Omar, Omar Shreve's right. character. And they're the last two. Because Faisal, we see, like, talking mm. to the British. He's, like, he's in Cairo at one point. Because right. he's, like, he's Faisal a prince. He's a prince and, and he's a survivor. Because yeah. originally, the whole attack on Aqaba, Aqaba is based on the idea that he's paying out money to the Turks, and the Turks, yeah. or rather, yeah, the Turks paying, he's basically the Turks are paying him as well. Uh, yeah, tr- or they're paying that's the, the tribes. Not, that's that's Anthony Quinn's character. Right. The Turks yeah. are paying the tribes. Yeah, uh, paying them out, and that he essentially Faisal he has to follow the Turks' directions. So yeah. he says, as long as you're taking money, that's how Lawrence com- com- uh, convinces. Um, that's once again, that's the how it's had. Okay. He's like, you uh, right. do you, yeah, do you guys you guys bow to the Turks? Clearly, right. because you're doing whatever for money. Ballsy move. It is. Right. He could have fucking cut his right. fucking head off. Like, mm-mm. but the thing is that Faisal is, you know, I don't want to run all this. I'd much rather have one of the European powers running the the water and the electricity and things like that, and I get to profit from a relationship with Europe. He yeah. wants that. Yeah. If Europe is going to ask less of him than the Turks, Which they're not going to chase him out of Mecca. Which is fucking dangerous because right. Europe, right, t- will take whatever they can get and leave nothing behind. But they leave, and so in the very except end, except maybe just some smallpox. But these two men, and um, and uh, Auda tells them, you know, let's go to the desert. Yeah, he, he just come on. Let's very, go. He makes him a very sweet offer. It's like, go to the desert. I live like a king. You can live like, live a, like king. a king. Like, like, these people love you and will right. follow and you. And they do. They love him. They, they absolutely do. love him. And he might love them. Right. It's unfucking clear And so the very end of it, he's just like, hear me, God, I never want to see the desert again. Yeah. And, and then so, he's promoted a colonel and sent right. back, shipped back. Because it, he's now an embarrassment to everybody. Yeah. He's not useful right. anymore. Yeah. They took Damascus. That's what they wanted. The British and the British are getting it. That's yeah. all they wanted. And Faisal is going to be fine with that. So that's all he wanted. So he's 
useless at this point. Right. He's a, as big an issue to Faisal as he is to the British. You know, he the British are going to see him as a traitor at this point. Mm, maybe. Because he, They promoted him, so not right. that much of a traitor. And... Yeah, they just that that's the the final image of the film is him just being shipped out. Well, yeah, well he's looking at the so the Arabs are dry, riding away mm. on horses and camels yeah. and he's looking at them uh and then and he's standing next to a car and then a motorcycle passes him and he's co- covered in the dust of that motorcycle mm. bringing us back to the beginning where he dies in a motorcycle accident mm. but that is the end of the movie. Yeah, and it's like it's it is like every 20 minutes, I was just like, who's, where, what does he think about any of these people? Mm. It is so baffling, and and I'm going to say it again, especially based on an autobiography, that you don't know this dude's motives at all. You don't know his allegiances at all. You know what he says, but he says one thing to one group of people and one thing to another group of people, and both of those things seem to be as earnest as the other. But they are diametrically opposed. Yeah. Like, I love the Arab people and this land. I also enjoy killing these people. Right. Or just killing. It's it's very confusing. Um, well, he's, yeah, he's not necessarily that he's, he seems to regret killing the Arabs. He, after he was But he assaulted, says that he, he likes killing Gazim. Right. Like, he enjoy, like, he didn't want to kill that person, uh-huh. but the killing which is why he tries to hold back from it until yeah. something gets broken in his head after yeah. he's assaulted, and then he's like, kill them all. Yeah. I, I think that what when I think about the film, it strikes me that this man, again, based on a, a real person, started pa- by painting colors on maps. Yeah. That's the first scene that we really see him yeah. after the, the flash forward that we have at the beginning. Uh, Putting then, out matches with his bare hands right, or with his fingers. He, he he believe you know he's testing the limits of his endurance, um, and it makes you wonder if is the message of the film that he was an exceptional man who was in these circumstances where all he was allowed to do was paint maps, yeah, and that's one way of defending it because he obviously is exceptionally intelligent. I mean, we're getting from for the the purposes of this film. The languages are translated. No, he speaks several right. of their dialects and all. So he's he, he's a very well-educated, very intelligent man. A lot of it was self-education. Um, or is it the idea of the film that they're exceptional or there are people who become exceptional by what they do? Right. And is it just that when they told him he couldn't do it, you know, that scene, he goes out at night and he just sits there in the desert thinking about how he can do what he's been told is impossible. Right. And then he comes up and he tells his orphans uh, it can be done. And they're looking at him like, are you okay? He's like, clearly not. No, he's not. Because <laughs> they've seen him sitting all night in the desert, right? By himself, like he's an Old Testament prophet. Um, and then he comes out and he's like, no, this is how we can do it. And so, yeah, as a character, he's really interesting. I I still, I don't feel like I know anything more about him. Yeah. No, it's a really, and, really interesting performance. So we're. I'm looking, I want to talk about the awards that this movie okay. did and didn't win. At the Academy Awards, it won Best Picture and Best Director. Right. Peter O'Toole lost Best Actor, and he lost it to Gregory Peck 
into Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, okay. And here's a controversial take. Uh That's some bullshit. Right. And that might be looking at it from the distance of 50 years, Mm -hmm. or are we at 60 years now? That's wild. Um, I used to really love To Kill a Mockingbird, and now I'm a little like, that's a white savior narrative and I'm over it. His performance is quite good. But I would argue that O'Toole's is better because it is... Well, first of all, it's twice as long. Like, it's twice as much. Just for sheer amount of time on the screen. But the fact that that he had to play such an enigma that you would still want to watch for four fucking hours is kind of a magic trick. I'm thinking... It's interesting that you mentioned who won. It's like, well, if anybody's going to win, that's going to be it. Um, and I disagree sort of with the idea of white savior because Atticus Flinch ultimately failed to free this man. No, he does, but right. so but he's still seen as the hero of the piece right. just for standing up. Right. For, for doing, doing literally the yes, best. <laughs> but that's kind of the whole... I know it's time and place and all of that also, stuff. And, but... and again, I've also read the book. I have as well. So it's it's like in reading the book. <laughs> I have a degree in English. You can't have a degree in English if you didn't read The Kill a I, I don't have a degree in English. I should. Um, <laughs> no, absolutely. Because <laughs> I've read that much. But anyhow, what I what I carried over from the book is that he's a character who's also very uncertain of himself. And but I think that if anybody, if that performance is going to be challenged by anything, it would be that. Yeah. I don't. I do agree with you though that. Peter O'Toole's Lawrence is asked to do is pulling off is asked to do more of a hat trick. Yeah, and it is a weird one. And I think doing. fundamentally, it's a harder role. Mm-hmm. Like to play Atticus Finch, right. you have to have gravitas, and you have to have like a warmth right. that isn't mushy. If that makes sense, right? right? Like. You have to portray, like, you have to be a good man uh-huh. without being a weak man, and you have to have gravitas. Fine. To be Lawrence, you have to be an enigma that people want right. and to that, follow and watch. One of the interesting elements about this film is, like, the commentary, and it's Robert Bolt, who won a screenplay, won an Academy Award, I think, for Man for All Seasons. Yeah, so he didn't. A, he that was, he right. was nominated for this. Robert Bolt and Michael Wilson were nominated for best adapted screenplay. They also did not right. win. Probably lost. I'm gonna look, <laughs> but also to To Kill a Mockingbird because well, that is also well, that was adapted by Horton Foote. An adapted, also yeah, an adapted screenplay. I'm looking for it, but go ahead. You were saying, playwright. but when um, the comments that get made on the side in this film, um, it. Uh, you did? To go like a Mockingbird yeah. one, yeah. That was a rough year. Or it was a great year for the moviegoers. It was the, a rough year for the... The, 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 the best adapted screenplay nominees were mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird, which won. David and Lisa, I've never heard of it. Lawrence of Arabia, Lolita, and The Miracle Worker. Oh, sweet Jesus. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> so, fucking good luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, they go on about the great year, of the, what is it, 1936 or something? Or, 
No, this sounds like it was a great year to be a film goer. I think you mean thirty nine. I think so, it's thirty nine yeah, that you're talking yeah, about. With never, Wizard of Oz and Gone with right. the Wind. That 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 year it's nineteen thirty nine. So and the the other thing, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, so the, those those two nominate were nominated mm-hmm. but didn't win. And the last one that was nominated and didn't win was Omar Sharif for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. He lost to Ed Begley in Sweet Bird of Youth. Right. I know who Ed Begley is. I don't know what Sweet Bird of Youth is. It's a, an adaptation of a, I think it's a 20, Tennessee Williams play. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. So the actor in a supporting role uh, things, like um, nominees, are all things I've heard of except that one. So Ed Begley won. Uh, Victor Bruno in Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, Telly Savalas in The Bir- Birdman of Alcatraz, Omar Sharif, and Terrence Stamp in Billy Budd. Wow. Okay, yeah, that right? was a great year. That was a great year, that, right? That's, that's... Um, so, but it did win Best Picture. It uh, did win Best Director. It uh, it won Art Direction, Cinematography, el- uh, Editing, Score, and Sound. I mean, it won I think all the technicals. It, but that, it was so gorgeous, this movie. Yeah. No, it, it was. It was. Uh, oh, but very quickly to go back mm-hmm. to what I was saying about the screenplay and the, the little asides yeah. that get thrown in there. Um, when there's a moment when Lawrence comes back to stay with the English and he's now wearing a uniform, an Englishman's uniform. Yeah. Officer's uniform. And he had to borrow one because someone pinched his. Yeah. And the two guys who were talking to him use a racial epithet. Yeah. That I'm not going to repeat. That's fine. And the look on his face briefly like, oh, that's where I am. I'm with these people. That's right, yeah. And it's almost as if... who have no understanding of these people and can so casually treat them like they're not people. But another point that Bolt makes in his screenplay is like, it's probably taken directly from, um, from Lawrence, is the Arab people, at least these Arab people, they'll follow a man more than they'll follow an idea. And so when he winds up becoming almost this messianic figure to them. Yeah. And then completely fails that, you know, when he's assaulted and dumped out into the street because he begins believing that he's... Right, he starts buying his own hide. Right, Don't do that, that he can he can perform miracles. Yeah. Um, and the uh, Sharif's character at the very end, after, you know, when he and Anthony Quayle and Omar Sharif part ways at the end. Yeah. Um, Anthony Quayle goes, uh, Anthony Quinn rather, goes Anthony back Quinn, to the yeah. desert. And Sharif goes, I'm going to become a politician. And it's like, you see the beginning of a modern, independent Arab state when yeah. he's like, okay, this guy isn't who I thought he was. Right. But at the same time, he, I love him. Right. He says that openly. It's really yeah. interesting how often, I think Lord of the Rings is the only other movie where I've seen men just go out platonic love between men. Um, Y'all need more of that. Right, well, yeah, because it's just like when you see it, you're going, to, yeah, everyone loves this guy, but he's not He's not going to save us. We have to save ourselves. Yeah. And the fact that, again, 1962, you're making this statement. Right. Yeah. It, it's wild. And and so I I can kind of forgive the, the brown face knowing that David Lean also cast Omar Sharif playing a Russian yeah. In Dr. Zhivago. It's like yeah. he did a lot of weird colorblind testing. That yeah, yeah. But and, and it's it is sixty years right. ago. And so another time. But about, watching it is yes, still it is rough. Still especially if you know what Alec Guinness looks like. Right. 
Like, I saw you in Star Wars. That ain't your fucking face. Right. And, and I the, know what Anthony Quinn looks like. Right. That ain't your fucking face. Omar Sharif is the closest, but they even, like I said, darken him up. Mm. Um, yeah, it's... It, yeah, it's it's something that we discussed when we did Touch of Evil, where it used to be, like, the mark of an actor to be able to play different ethnicities and different races. And That was the other thing that yeah. um, that I wasn't clear on, necessarily, was... Are they speaking in English? I believe or that. Or are, are we to understand that? Because we know he speaks these languages right. that for us it's speaking English, but he would have been speaking their native yeah. tongues, which is probably what it is. Because I think the 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 people at the top, I think Ali Sharif, I think the, the heads of all the tribes, I think Prince Faisal, Faisal yes. all spoke English right. for sure. Um, maybe not as well and as Britishly as all of them do in the movie. But I don't know that the typical Arab man, the typical soldier that they're working with, mm-hmm. that they do... There, There is sound <laughs> from women in one point when they are going off across the desert, mm-hmm. out to war, and all the women go, and oh, they yes. do the ululating around the, um, the, the like, canyon, and they just fill it with sound right. it's that's pretty stunning but honestly that's it that's it. that's all for women Ooh. so they i would rather i would rather that than having decorative women for no reason in the i film. guess but also well i don't know about these tribes and mm. how women are actually involved in right. War, but in a lot of cultures, women are right alongside the men because they fucking have to be. Right. And in in movie depictions, they're just yoinks right out of mm. it. It's like when you see a period piece set in eighteen hundreds, fucking England or France, and you mm. don't see any black people, which is fucking bullshit because mm. there were black people everywhere all the time, guys. Mm. Like not maybe not two thousand years ago. But certainly, two hundred years ago. Well, seeing any time that you see a biblical film that lacks, it's like you're on the African continent. Well, yeah, it's like I mean, the, right. any biblical film with a white man cast as Jesus, i.e., every biblical film right. except the one with Jim Caviezel. We don't need to talk about him right now. Is well, yeah, just yeah. what are you fucking doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, I really. Overall, this film, it, it it's something that I've been thinking about since I saw it. For sure. Although, honestly, I uh, don't know. Is it thrilling? I don't know that a four-hour movie can be thrilling right. because that would be fucking exhausting. Yes, I think that it's a lot I think of, things in it are thrilling. Right. I think, honestly, I think Peter O'Toole's performance is thrilling. I think that it is very much like Another film that we saw that was... Because we saw a couple of epic films that are on this list. Spartacus is one. Um, but the Yeah, film that, that's thrilling in, in parts, right, for and sure. And another film that we watched that was... And Ben-Hur, too. Ben-Hur. Yeah. Like, yes, it has ten of the most thrilling mo- mo- minutes ever put on film. The Chariot Race is just, like, so right. wild. But the better. whole other three hours is, well, like... Because, uh, you know, the, the, it's like they, they parse it out to where... Yeah. Okay, and this is where the pirates and the Romans are fighting the galleys, yeah. and that was thrilling. And yeah. then we have this huge chase. I also feel like one of the things that they're mm-hmm. def- they def- made defaults to in terms of thrills is war movie, mm-hmm. and not every war movie is no. thrilling. Like 
I'm just not. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. I think it belongs on this list, but I don't know that it belongs at number 23. There's weird choices that have been on this list, period. Yeah. Um, Still, like, Rebecca, what? Dorian Gray was <laughs> Dorian another. Gray, what? And again, these are fun movies. I like what I call it thrilling. I, I don't know, and I think... And, yeah, and maybe I need a stronger list, definition of thrilling. Right. Do you also mean suspenseful? Because that's right different thing. Um... So, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm glad we got to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been meaning to watch it for like a decade. Right. And So now that you've seen it, how do you feel about, like, just the film overall? Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, realistically, am I going to ever watch it again? It's four hours long. Probably not. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I've watched the original Stephen King stand miniseries like five times, and that thing is eight hours long, ten hours long or something like that. So... I mean, I'll watch a long mm-hmm. thing multiple times, but well, also just watching somebody go mad uh, is tough. Yeah. That I, is asking a lot of the audience. I think that it's a, it is a masterpiece as a film. For sure. And I would not, I wouldn't take that away. Masterclass of a performance. Yes. All of them. Actually, everyone here. Every one of just, them. I wanted to point out one more award. Uh-huh. Um, so at the Golden Globes that year, it uh-huh. won Best Picture Drama. Uh, Best Actor, they had uh, they nominated both Peter O'Toole and Anthony Quinn. Mm-hmm. Neither of them won, I believe, probably. That also went to Gregory Peck. Omar Sharif, however, won Best Supporting Actor. And then they had, at this time, a, a category called Most Promising Newcomer Male. And mm-hmm. I presume there's female, too. And both Peter O'Toole and Omar Sharif won that. <laughs> That's interesting. And I'm like, how? I kind of want to look up and see if they did like a, like yeah, a yeah. Matt Damon Ben Affleck duel, like, ex- I, like <laughs> heard the way situation. they talk about each other because the interviews I saw were mostly from the '70s and the, the the Omar Sharif interview I saw was much later than that. That was like you know a little bit before he passed away. Um. But they both have this like tremendous respect for each other as performers, and also as people. Like they they go on about what a great time they had with, you know, doing this and doing that, and um, and the kind of how they both started dealing with stardom because Omar Sharif was a recognized actor in Egypt. Uh huh. And, right, it's like an Antonio Banderas situation. Right. And then um, Peter O'Toole was just a stage actor who was getting a great deal of recognition, and they both at the same time came in to it. Um, and they just like this suddenly, you know, you're doing all these films with all these other big stars. It is, it is super yeah. interesting to me that Peter O'Toole is a stage actor because he is. There's so much in mm-hmm. his face, right? In this movie, oh, yeah. that would not come acting. across. Yeah. Yes, exactly. He's not stage acting. He's not mm-hmm. talking to the back row or like right. you know. That's a, kind of amazing. That's kind of amazing. So, thrilling. Yes, T- number twenty three. Thrilling. No, should you watch it? Fuck yes. Absolutely watch this movie. Yes. We watch it over three nights. I don't like cutting movies up like that, but. Mm-hmm. 
you might have to because it's very long. And that right. intermission doesn't come until like two and a half hours yeah. in. So it's it's a it's a commitment. We'll say that. Um, so yeah, so that's the Lawrence of Arabia. It's a long one, but it's quite good. And you are going to come out and be like, the fuck right. did I just watch? Like, what did, what did he... I just watched a movie named after a person, and I have no idea the motivations of that person. Right. And it's been four hours. How do I not know the motivations of that person? Like, the true baseline mm-hmm. side that this man is on. It's wild. Um, and now I kind of want to watch the or read the Seven Pillars book. All right. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay. So what are we doing next? Next week. Next week we're talking about Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. We've talked about before. We talked about it about five years ago. So we're just going to do a little uh, intro at the beginning, and then you're going to hear our previous take on Taxi Driver because I don't think it's changed that much. Uh, so next week is Taxi Driver. There's yeah, so something week. along the lines of "Damn, damn, what <laughs> the fuck?" Right. A porn mo- uh, theater, really, dude? Um. And then after that is a clockwork orange, and I don't want to do it. But we're going to, I'm going to do it. Again, I don't want to do The Exorcist, but we're going to do it. We'll we'll power through. Yeah, the week of Christmas. How funny. Um, So next week is Taxi Driver. And I I beg of you, please, don't watch Taxi Driver and a clockwork orange back-to-back. But in the meantime, do you have anything you want to recommend? That isn't Taxi Driver um, or Lawrence of Arabia. No? I'm trying to remember. I did see something that I really liked this weekend. I can't remember the life of me what it was. Did I watch it with you? I think so. What did we watch this weekend? We went to the movies. No, we didn't. I went to the movies. You went to the, why don't you tell us what you saw this week? So it doesn't need my help because it's at a billion dollars, but I went to see Barbie by myself on a Tuesday afternoon, and it was fucking fantastic, everybody. Um, I figured I'd like it. I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Um, It absolutely deserves all of the money it gets. It absolutely deserves the, the place in women's lives that it's getting like you go to the movies right now and it is just wall to wall ladies in pink just there's this coming together around it that is fantastic and it don't let ben shapiro tell you anything don't that tell it, you well anything, anything. Like, you're, you're not wrong things. um he doesn't understand that the movie is as anti-misandry as it is anti-misogyny like it's anti any gender being the gender like Mm. that's what fundamentally it comes down to uh he didn't understand that because he's got a small brain there are more things i could say about him but i'm just gonna i'm not gonna make watching lawrence the struggle on your face with madness i would really love to punch that dude in the dick. (laughs) But um, that is neither here nor there. The Barbie movie, if you haven't seen it, if you're not sure if you're going to see it, this one across from me doesn't want to see it. He's going to watch it when it comes out. Okay, let uh, me... It's not that it... Yes. (laughs) For biological reasons? No, that doesn't sound right. 
No. I am colorblind. Oh, that's why you don't want to look at the, because right. it's a lot of very hot pink, which your eyes and may not. And colors and yeah. things. I, I watched years ago a movie called Curse the Golden Lotus, I think it was, um, which was an Asian language film. It took place in a period in history where the, basically the Chinese invented daigle colors. And oh, yeah. The entire, the sets and the costumes yeah. were decorated in such a way that after 10 minutes, I had to shut it off because I began getting physically ill. Yeah. And okay. It's part of the, so we'll right. try it when when it comes out. Synesthesia is an awful thing, and so are the other yeah. weird issues in my brain. I wonder if it seems a weird thing, mm-hmm. but I wonder if we could watch it in black and white. Well, I don't know. There I wonder be, if there's a way to set it to black and white while they're in uh-huh. Barbie land and then put it in yeah, color when I, I they're in the that, real world. Yeah, on a television screen, I'll be able to handle it better yeah. than if I'm in a theater and I'm And also, you can stop like, it and start right. it. You don't have to just go straight um, through it. But uh, we, our roommate tried to get me to watch Be and Puppycat. Not your jam. And the day glow colors were just... Uh, I tried to watch it for a couple of minutes because she really, really loved it. And it just... I began to feel like I like nauseated again. So that's, yeah. it's not the content... I am not, you know, a misogynist. No, 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 no. Okay, so, but what do you want? What do you What do you want to recommend? You know, I, we I don't know. We can't remember. Don't remember, but it was good, whatever it was, and I can't remember for the life of me what it was. Yeah, I don't remember this weekend. So, good job, me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, go see Barbie. I'm going to go see Oppenheimer soon. So, right. I've heard that's a great movie too. So. I just had to be in the mood to watch an intense ass movie. So, um, why not? This is where you are now. Right. Intense epic length films. So next week, mm-hmm. uh, Taxi Driver. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And until then, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us, mail us at latecomerspod at gmail dot com, or you can find us on Facebook. By searching Latecomers Podcast. I don't want to talk about any other social media. We just don't have to. Um, and I would like to remind you to please, please take your medicines. And we would like to remind you, better late than never. never.